Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Intuitive Transformations with your host, Sylvia Henderson, and discover tools, wisdom, and inspiration that will empower you to transform your life. Sylvia is an intuitive life coach and energy healer with a growing practice that is focused on empowering others to be more of who they want to be. For the next hour, join Sylvia and explore and unravel anything in the way of you creating the life that you would love to live on the Ohm Times Radio Network. Well, hello. Welcome to the Intuitive Transformations Radio Show, where you will find tools you can use to change and transform your life every Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Ohm Times Radio Network, the Voice of Consciousness at OhmTimes.com, or by simply typing IOM.FM into your internet browser. This is Sylvia Henderson, your host, and as it was just mentioned, I am an intuitive life coach and energy healer. The work that I do focuses on releasing limiting beliefs that stop you from truly enjoying your life and that cause you to remain in painful relationships, limit your financial potential, rob you of inner peace, block you from trusting your intuitive knowing, which is really important to have on board, and keep you trapped in anxiety, worry, and fear. If you would like to learn more about me, just visit my website at intuitivetransformations.net. And while you're there, if you sign up for my monthly newsletter, you'll receive a free guided meditation called Healing Fear During Uncertain Times. Again, to learn more about me and to get that free guided meditation, just visit my website, intuitivetransformations.net. Well, today's show is unique and interesting. We're going to talk about Alan Watts, a British-born American philosopher, writer, and speaker who is best known for his interpretations of Asian philosophies for the Western world. Alan Watts wrote over 25 books and numerous articles, and even now, decades after his death, his writings and philosophical insightful answers to questions such as why are we here and what is the meaning of our existence continues to be popular worldwide. Alan Watts' books have been published in more than 27 countries and in many languages, including Chinese, Korean, and Japanese. To sum it up, he was, and actually still is, posthumously, a world-famous thinker whose teachings of Eastern and Western religion and philosophy still impact many in their everyday lives. Alan Watts' timeless interviews and lectures can easily be found all over the internet via any search engine, including numerous YouTube videos. 
and today two of his daughters are joining us, Joan Watts and Ann Watts, who have curated personal letters written by their father, which offer great insights and a private and more personal view into the life and mind of Alan Watts. Together, they have co-edited The Collected Letters of Alan Watts, a book of their father's personal and never before published letters that he has written. Before I bring Joan and Ann on the air, let me tell you a little bit about each one of them. First, there is Joan, the eldest daughter of Alan Watts. Joan Watts grew up in the United States and England and also studied Japanese ink painting in Japan. Her art has won awards in juried shows and hangs in many private collections. In addition to her art career, she spent 25 years as a successful fundraiser in the nonprofit world. She retired in her 50s and moved to Montana, where for 20 years she was an occasional fishing guide and operated a bed and breakfast that catered to fly fishers from around the world. After retiring again, she began, along with her sister Anne, editing her father's letters for publication and resumed her painting. She is the mother of five successful happy children and nine grandchildren. She lives in Livingston, Montana with her husband, Johnny Montana Hale, a musician, songwriter, and retired motion picture industry technician. Most of Joan's life decisions have been influenced in one way or another by her father, Alan Watts. Now let me tell you about Anne, the second Otis daughter of Alan Watts. Anne Watts's philosophies were also strongly shaped by her experience as the daughter of Alan Watts. Anne is a certified hypnotherapist and an educator and counselor in the areas of human sexuality, sexual abuse, family stress, self-esteem, healing the inner child, and financial and aging issues. Since 1985, she has facilitated hundreds of workshops in the United States, Canada, Australia, Japan, England, and Germany with the Human Awareness Institute, work she is deeply passionate about. Since 2008, she has been a regular faculty member at Echelon Institute. Anne is the proud mother of two children, Myra Crin and Michael Andrews, and three grandsons, Max, Oliver, and Eli. Anne lives in Santa Rosa, California, in a deeply loving relationship with her husband, Mark Kupke, who has been her partner since 1984. Joan and Ann Watts, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate you're, it. You're so very welcome. Before we talk about the book, The Collected Letters of Alan Watts, I have to ask you, what was it like growing up as a daughter of Alan Watts? Joan, let's start with you first since you're the eldest. What was it like for you? Um, well, of course, it was very interesting. Um, uh, many interesting people came through our lives. Um, I think, um, you know, we went through some of the difficulties that a lot of children do that are uh, the children of famous people. Um, obviously, as he became better known, which was in my teen years uh, and then as a young adult, um, I didn't see much of him. Uh, I was 
sent off to private schools when I was about 10 or 11. And um, so I would see him on vacations. And uh, and, and naturally, uh, I started to have to share him with other people, even on, on my vacations. And... Um, I, you know, I don't think I ever resented it particularly, but um, uh, just the opportunity of going different places and meeting other people was very interesting. So I think that that somehow ameliorated any hard feelings I had other than times when he would forget to pick me up at school or something like that, So, which did happen occasionally. Um, as a young child... Um, he was a, kind of a fun father. He played with us and danced with us and told us stories and and uh, drew pictures with us and things like that. So that was that was a, an interesting fun time too. So wow, you know, I have to say you're probably not the only child that a parent forgot to pick up. You know, <laughs> that happens right. even even when parents aren't famous. You know. <laughs> And so what was it like for you, Anne, growing up as the daughter of Alan Watts? Well, um, it was, I think, a lot similar to what Joan described um, in terms of our relationship with our our father. Um, I think we both experienced, um, you know, that when he was available, uh, he was very playful and fun to be with and and very present with us. He He gave us his full attention. And um, and so that was that was really special, and and lovely to experience. And uh, but he was frequently not available. He was very much a workaholic. He was very um, deeply passionate about the work that he was doing. And um, and you know, being young younger than Joan, by the time I came around, he was often on the road and. Um, uh, you know, just not home. And then when he was home, he was busy writing and lecturing and doing all of that stuff. So time with him was hard to come by and very precious, I would mm. say. And um, and also, as Joan said, there were lots of fascinating people of all different cultures in our home. And, um, and in, we were introduced to foods from all these different cultures as well, Japanese, Chinese, Indian, you know, all of that stuff and um and our father was a great lover of music and of um gourmet food he was a gourmet cook himself he loved to cook and um and so we had all of that kind of exposure of all these interesting people and you know um so all of that was just um that part was fun and fascinating for us yeah well, in many ways, it sounds like um, he really opened the door for the world to come to you, giving you a great deal of exposure of uh, just really the broad scope of, of different uh, diverse versions of humanity. Um, yeah. That that really is quite a gift um, to have that, to not be raised in a typical American fishbowl <laughs> point right. of view. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, wonderful. I, I, people will ask that question, and I and I'll I'll often say, we certainly didn't grow up in a Leave It to Beaver style home. <laughs> you know, it was it was anything but. And the other thing I for myself, 
often I, as a child, I was um, at the lectures he was giving rather than having a babysitter. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I got to hear that all the time. And, um, and I feel like there's a certain amount of uh, osmosis of transition um, of his philosophies and beliefs that happened um, because I've never been a student of Alan Watts, but as his daughter, um, you know, a lot of I had a lot of exposure to uh, to what he was talking about. So I think that's part of the influence in my own personal life. Wow, especially as a young child, that you just really would absorb that almost by osmosis, um, right. hearing that. That uh, and and just kind of uh, widen your perspective and view on what life is and what it's about. Right. So I have right in front of me a copy of this gorgeous hardcover book, The Collected Letters of Alan Watts. And um, this must have been quite an undertaking for the two of you to create this together. Um, would you mind sharing with those who are listening how this journey began and how the two of you came to realize that putting your father's letters together in a book just really needed to happen. And so, Joan, would you mind uh, first sharing your perspective on that? Um, sure. Um, as I, as you mentioned in your introduction about me, um, I uh, retired when I was uh, 75 from running my bed and breakfast and guiding fishing and all that. And um, I've had in my office for some uh, over, well, about 20 years anyway, uh, all his papers that uh, were uh, residually given to us uh, at the time of his widow's death. And that was in, back in 1992. And I didn't really pay a lot of attention. Uh, occasionally I would go into the files and uh, research something for a publisher and agent or whatever. Um, and I did, of course, notice that there were letters, and occasionally I would pull one out and look at it um, <clears throat> and knew that at some point I needed to, to deal with that. And um, uh, Alan was, um, as it turned out, when Anne and I sat down a, a couple of years ago uh, and went through uh, these files with the many letters. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details he tended to make carbon copies of most of the letters he wrote over his lifetime. And um, uh, he also wrote uh, to his parents uh, about once a month 
they were still in England, and he, of course, was in the United States. And all of those letters, uh, there were not carbon copies of them, but his parents saved every letter he ever wrote from the time he was sent off to boarding school. Um, and that collection of letters, I believe, was sent to him about the time that he started writing his autobiography back in about 1968. And um, so we just found a incredible treasure trove. He was uh, a voluminous uh, uh, letter writer, um, often writing as many as three pages of single-spaced uh, letters, certainly to his parents and then uh, to others as well. Um, <clears throat> of note, one letter in particular to Carl Jung uh, when Alan was, I think, about 21 years old or so, uh, was um, a many-page letter describing um, uh, a specific type of mandala. But um, so it was quite a process of uh, uh, scanning the letters and then putting them into Word uh, documents and so on. And the, the way that actually came about was that uh, we had visited with a publisher uh, in uh, California who was currently uh, re-publishing uh, some Allen's out-of-print books. And at the time, I mentioned that um, I had letters, and he said, his you know eyes perked up said letters or his ears perked up and his eyes went wide and uh he said have you considered publishing them and uh, we said yes and he said well you know maybe you should look at this and maybe find an editor and i said well i thought we could do the editing and do commentary and um he was thrilled with the end product and even though we delivered a manuscript twice the size we originally uh, negotiated, um, he said, well, we may have to cut some of these letters, and I said, well, good luck. <laughs> of course, when he read them, he uh, he said, I, you know, I can't. So the, I think we cut maybe three letters out of the entire manuscript. Wow. So that's kind of the, it took about two and a half years of, um, especially of my time, because uh, I was kind of the one that had to deal with all the uh, scanning and, and uh, uh, editing of the scan documents. And um, I actually hired somebody to help me with some of that because it was a tedious job and I was working on it pretty much six days a week or more for that time. So my husband will vouch for that. <laughs> I bet he would. That's quite an undertaking. We're going to go into a break when we return. Um, I'd like to have um, Anne share her uh, journey as well. We'll be back in just a few moments. Please stay tuned for more of Intuitive Transformations Radio. And today we're talking about the collective letters of Alan Watts. We'll be back in just a few moments. The future of Internet radio is here. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site, but a spiritual dating site with a purpose, to link you with your soulmate. We engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you. Ascending Hearts, the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware. Try Ascending Hearts for free, ascendinghearts.com. 
Hello, I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, host of OMTRANS magazine's flagship radio show, What is Going On? My passion is sifting through information, research and innovations from new thought teachers, speakers and researchers pushing back the boundaries of what we know about life, energy, metaphysics and the universe. I love shifting perceptions about who we are, why we're here and how quickly impossible becomes normal when we open our minds, expand our awareness and accept that the only limits that exist are those we place upon ourselves. So if you're the kind of forward-thinking, eager investigator of what lies beyond the current reality that most perceive, why not make a date to come play with me in the field of possibilities at 4pm Pacific Time, 7pm Eastern Time every Thursday and together we can discover what's really going on. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I did the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back. This is Sylvia Henderson, and you're listening to Intuitive Transformations on OMTimes.com. And today I have with me as my guest, Joan Watts and Anne Watts. They are the eldest daughters of Alan Watts, great American philosopher. Um, so, Anne, before we went into the break, um, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, what was this journey like for you? Um, Joan has so eloquently shared how it began and what was involved in terms of the timeline. It took like about two and a half years. You know, looking at the volume of letters that were present, um, you know, because your father was such a prolific writer, um, publicly and privately, um, what was the biggest challenge in creating this book for you? <laughs> Well, in terms of the biggest challenge, I think it was, um, you know, deciding what we could cut and and what what was uh, what really mattered and and what we what was just kind of fluff, not really important to his story, mm. and um, and so you know that took quite a while, um, and the process itself was such an eye opener. Um, I, for one, have not, um, although I've listened to him a lot, I have not read his books. I've tried to read his books, and I've read bits of his books, but it's, I've just never really been able to read his books. And, um, and so um, as I read his letters, I really got to see his brilliance. And his brilliance from an early age, you know, Joan talked about that letter to Carl Jung when he was 21. And the letter was written to Carl Jung as if he was his peer, as if they were the same age in the same genre and all of that. It was just, you know, I have some information for you that you might like. Here it is. And um, and I, as I was reading the letters, I had to keep checking out 
how old was he when he was writing this? Because I was just dumbfounded by his eloquence and the depth of his knowledge and how much he knew and how beautifully he could share that information with people. Um, and it was a, a beautiful look into the lives of um, my family, you know, like how it was for them before I was born. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, uh, you know, and the, it was also emotional and um, sometimes painful. And for, I feel like that for Joan and I, um, or for Joan and me, it was a very... Um, it was a bonding experience. You know, mm. we we really um, we got to talk about our experiences and, and all of that in a way that was deep and profound and, uh, you know, very, very healing. So, um, you know, there were things for me where it was, um, you know, I have this experience in life that memory is very suspect. Right, that that we don't, our memories are uh, sometimes accurate and sometimes not, and um, and regardless of whether the actual memory is accurate or not, it is what lives in us, as as what's real, so it's significant. And uh, but when I read this book, I discovered that my memories of my childhood experience. Uh, were accurate, you know, like my father describes it in in his letters to his parents, or, yeah, mostly to his parents, and just validated um, the experiences that I was having with my mother and my stepmother uh, in a way that that was quite um, reassuring to me in that sense, you know, like, oh, I, I am remembering how it was. And um, and so that was interesting as well. Yeah, I can only imagine because, um, as you mentioned, I'm not sure if it was Joan or you that had mentioned that he would write these single-space, three-page letters every month to his parents, which was basically um, him record-keeping everything that was going on in his personal life, including with um, with all of his children, including you and your sister. So, Joan, what was that like for you? I mean, Anne has spoken about the emotional impact and how, um, um, what was it like for you? It was probably like a trip down memory lane as well. Um, (laughs) Would you mind sharing your experience? Sure. Um, Well, I think my initial reaction was um, he, I just, I wasn't totally aware, I guess, as an adult as to what an incredible scholar he was. Um, This is a man that read voraciously. He studied everything from psychology and uh, psychiatry and uh, Eastern, uh, different Eastern religions and uh, Christian doctrine and uh, all the ins and outs of that. And, uh, you know, as, as he was becoming uh, a priest uh, in, the, in the 40s, early 40s, he was 
still quite young. He was in his uh, mid-20s and uh, was on a fast track because he learned Greek and Latin so very quickly. And, um, you know, he, he was just amazing. He, he just uh, was apparently an incredible scholar and uh, incredibly well-read and had started that process as a um, pretty much as a, a teenager, um, and so that that was quite uh, quite stunning to me. Um, and of course, you know the documentation of my life, my birth, uh, which the letter about that was just hysterical. Um, he refers to me as an it <laughs> throughout most of the letter because he's not had any familiarity with a child, you know. Uh, he was an only child, and my mother was an only child, and so between them they were very young parents and um, had basically no concept of what to expect. Um, so that that was very interesting, and he definitely chronicles my uh, growth throughout the, the years of his life and what I did, as he did with Anne as well. Um, and then, of course, the the difficulties of, of his uh, married life, um, being divorced uh, a couple of times and having various uh, uh, other love relationships, uh, one of which we discovered in the process of doing uh, the letters, was one Mr. Sweeney never knew, never knew he had. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, an eye-opener for us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially since it was for a period of about six years or so. So, you know, it was a, a stunning revelation, a revelation. And, um, you know, uh, just his, his curiosity about life. Uh, and then, of course... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This caring of people. He was a very caring person and uh, wrote lovely letters to people who were in crisis. Um, everything from being a conscientious objector to a mother worried about a daughter uh, taking drugs and, uh, you know, various other legal things, uh, you know, and so on. And um, it was, you know, very fascinating. Wow, I can only imagine. And so, Anne, you had mentioned that this experience of... Um, curating these letters together with your sister really brought you much closer together and um, and on an emotional level there's been some healing for you each individually um, has that been the same experience for your other siblings I'm just curious 
have they had a chance to read the letters or what are their thoughts and feelings about them? Well, um, our brother Mark um, has read the book and um, and really seemed to appreciate it and felt it sounded to me from his communication that he felt like he learned a lot that he hadn't known. Mm-hmm. And um, and so he's been very supportive of of the book, and um, our sister Tia um, has so many more painful memories. So it's been hard for her. I don't. I'm not aware um, that she's actually read any of the book yet. She wasn't sure she was going to be able to read it. So mm-hmm. time will tell. You know. I actually think that. It, were she to read it, it would be a healing experience for her. But you know, she 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 needs to do what she needs to do. So we'll see how that goes. And I haven't heard from the other two sisters. Um, we we sent them all uh, copies of the book, but I haven't heard from them. Um, you know, any response to it and how it is for them. So I really don't know. Mm. So how do you believe this collection of your father's letters will impact them, Anne, as they read through this book? Um, Because it does give a very wide um, but yet very private insight into who he was as a father, a son, um, a philosopher, or just a, um, a man, a lover, uh, you know, um, and everything in between. And so what do you believe this collection of your letters will provide for those who read read them? Uh, well, at first I thought you were asking how it would affect uh, our siblings. but if I did, anybody- yeah. I've switched gears. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, so you're wanting Joan to answer that question? <laughs> well, I was Am actually going to ask Anne first, but, it, you know, okay. if, to be honest, you're not. Yeah. Right. Is that okay? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah. um, and so in terms of um, our siblings, I think they'll learn things and, and see it from a perspective that they haven't had. And I have to say that their their lives were very different from ours. And um, most of them were quite young um, or very young when our, their parents divorced. And, uh, and they went through really hard times. And so, you know, definitely they will learn things they didn't know. And... Um, you know, I, I I hope that in some way that will be a healing experience for them. Um, in terms of the public in general, um, many things. I mean, for one thing, they'll get a really much more intimate view of Alan than has ever been shared. And, uh, you know, even people who knew him quite well have said, They've learned things about him in reading this book that they that they didn't know, and um, and it's just such a fascinating read. And for you know, like for people who haven't even read Alan Watts, they'll really get a dose of his philosophies and uh, his thoughts. And you get to see his progression, you know, from this young man up until the time he dies, 
his progression of of thinking and um, where he was at different times in his life. And so, um, you know, I think it's all it's fascinating from many many different levels. And Joan and I have received so many emails of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really extraordinary. And one of the things that we've received is gratitude from uh, very young people, people in their teens. And I love that. I love that people who are in their teens have discovered Alan and uh, are getting benefit from uh, from experiencing him. You know, like the YouTube makes him very accessible. And uh, we hear a lot from people about how important and significant he is in their lives. <laughs> I, I got an email from a uh, 17-year-old last night. 17-year-old, she said, um, I have extreme interest in philosophy, and I listen to your father's seminars every day. Mm. The intensity is awesome, for lack of a better word. And so, and she just appreciates everything he did and, you know, somehow it led her to me and you know, asking about me and how I developed into who I am, that kind of thing. But for me, 17 years old, it just feels so wonderful. And, and, and we've, we're hearing from people all over the world um, who have discovered Alan, and it's, it's really very moving. Yeah, I can only imagine. Wow. Yeah. Especially, you know, having an impact still on this younger generation who, you know, they're searching, you know, and to have made this so much more accessible for them to bring these letters together in this way is such a beautiful gift. And so, Joan, um, as you were, I'm sorry, was I just speaking to Joan or Anne? <laughs> you were just talking to Anne and, and okay. with Joan. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, Joan, as you as you've culminated um, or co-created this, I should say, with your sister, and realized the gift that this was, and even taking it to the publisher and and telling, wishing them luck, trying to pull anything out of it because everything was so um, so valuable and uh, and definitely uh, worthy to be read, you know. It's almost like the two of you have, um, uh, this is your way of showing not just admiration to your father, but um, to all of those who can be touched by his work. So what is it that you really would like for humanity to receive from this book? Um, I think... um the going forward, you know, um, his letters, so many of them are applicable to things that are happening right now, today, in our political sphere, our world sphere, our planetary problems, etc. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I'm hoping that uh, it can be uh, towards a paradigm shift, basically, that uh, especially among the young people that are so interested in him, and this is all over the world, young people, um, in places like Iran. I've had two uh, young men from Iran uh, reach out to me. And, you know, I think that that is, um, is, is very important, uh, that um, 
we're in a state of uh, a world situation where we need tremendous healing among people, among religions, among uh, races, etc. And um, I think people studying Alan's work, reading his work, uh, will um, come away better people uh, as a result of it and perhaps uh, realize the universe in themselves, which is one of the things that Alan really uh, spoke of frequently was that we're not separate individuals. We're part of a huge universe and we're all part of each other as a result of that and that, uh, you know, we need to to accept that. Um, and I just... I just read a, um, uh, an email, I, I think it was, I, it wasn't on Facebook, it was something that my daughter sent me that somebody had sent her uh, saying that um, uh, we are so absorbed in the past and the future that we've forgotten about the present wow. and that uh, we, we really need to, this was a quote of Alan's apparently that was sent to her and she forwarded it to me. Um, and I, I think that that's uh, so true, you know. Um, it's just, you know, we people need to live more in, in the present. They need to sit down and gaze out their window and look at the beautiful trees or, the, you know, the people on the street or whatever and sort of clearly identify more with, with nature and humanity. Yeah, that is just beautiful. I know we're going to go into another break, and um, as we do, I just want to remind everyone about this beautiful message here, because that's so true. We are so absorbed in the past and the future that we do forget about the present, and what a difference the world would be if we would just stay in that present moment. We'll be back in just a few moments. Please stay tuned for more of Joan Watts and Ann Watts. of Conscious Radio, Ohm Times Radio, IOM FM. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of Ohm Times Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of Ohm Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community. Hello, I'm Lisa Berry. Join me every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for Light on Living. A chance to see new, hear different, and feel more as I shine the spotlight on all the ways to lighten the load of life's challenges. Light on Living is your link to that new way you're looking for, that new understanding that will enhance your life, and that positive connection that will support your growth. So join me and you'll gain insight and start to see things in a new way that motivates you. Hey, let me ask you something. Would you seat your three-year-old child on a windowsill? Would you seat them beside a lit fireplace or by the deep end of a pool? One last question. Would you seat your child in a car seat that's not correct for them? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Secure their future. Seat them in the correct car seat. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
Welcome back, everyone. This is Sylvia Henderson. You're listening to Intuitive Transformations Radio on OMTimes.com. And I have with me today two guests, Joan Watts and Ann Watts, and they are the daughters of Alan Watts, and they have co-edited a new book, and it's called The Collected Letters of Alan Watts, published by New World Library. Um, Ladies, I am just overwhelmed because, Joan, as you were speaking before we went to the break about the state of the world and humanity and the planet right now and the email that you received about um, that highlighted such a truth that we are so obsessed um, by the past and the future that we forget about the present. Um, it really, I started getting a little emotional listening to you share that, Joan, I have to confess. And so for those who, you you know, thank you. Those who are listening who are um, new to that level of awareness, can you just expand on why it is so important to be in the present moment and what we, you know, how we miss out on so much of life by not being just in the moment. Uh, is that directed at me or Anne? <laughs> oh, that was at you, Joan, and then I'm going to ask Anne okay. to share her perspective, too. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, oh. Well, you know, being in the present, uh, you know, this is, this is something... Uh, that uh, I think uh, Baba Ramdas has uh, explored a lot, and uh, it's, I think it's his statement, "Be here now," which is um, so important. And I think, um, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. I, I worry about the future a lot, especially at my age now. Um, and um, uh, you know, there's nothing we can do about the past. The past is past. And uh, yes, we can we can look for change in the future if we need uh, change, but I think that we also need to appreciate the moment. And um, uh, that's I think that's very hard for people to do. I I don't know that I would be an uh, an expert on saying how one should do that. Uh, and I just I feel like. You know, taking a few minutes uh, every day to just kind of look around yourself and and see what you have that you're thankful for, and um, how you can appreciate what you have uh, more thoroughly. Um, I think that's kind of a beginning. Um, I think that's a beautiful I don't beginning. No, yeah, that's beautiful. That's perfect. And and and, um, what would you like to share in regards to that? Well, um, there's a couple of things. One is um, this whole thing about being present in the now. Um, it's 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 uh, it's something that I'm frequently. That's what's so for me, which makes it really challenging for me to to reach out to people and call people and stuff like that because I'm so in the moment and mm-hmm. so fully there in the moment. And I think my work it, um, helps me with that. 
because I do a lot of work with people, and when I'm working with people, I'm just fully present to um, them and their experience and what they're saying to me. And um, and so there is no place else to be but right right there. And um, But I think there's a, a, you know, like finding, spending some time in silence, in quieting our mind is very refreshing and very good for us. And for myself, one of the ways I do that is I go outdoors and I walk in nature. And um, and that's uh, either a time for um, just being quiet or it's a time for gratitude because I'm so excited about being outdoors and how beautiful it is. And I, I have a creek near me, and I walk by the creek, and I've got all these beautiful trees. And I'm thanking the trees, you know, like I'm just it's, – it's, I, I think it's exciting to be aware of – what's around us, you know, and uh, and as much as possible to get out into nature. And the other thing that Alan uh, really talked about was uh, the importance of lightening up, mm-hmm. that uh, we have a tendency to take everything so seriously, and, and we forget to play and uh, to have fun and to enjoy life. And uh, so that was another thing that he was a big proponent of, and uh, and certainly he had a great ability to do that um, himself. You know, to take himself out of work mode and and really fully um, love the beauty of life and the complexity of it all, to to see the the microcosm and the macrocosm and and how it all works, and to just really uh, enjoy it with full-on enthusiasm. And I think that's part of what makes him so relevant today is that this is this is something that's important for all of us right mm-hmm. here and now, you know, yeah. so. I agree, I agree. So, Joan, I have another question for you. After having read all of these letters and, and um, co-editing the book with your sister and being his, being Alan's daughter, oldest daughter. <laughs> what do you believe, when looking at your father's life, what do you believe your father, as a person, most wanted people to know about him in terms of who he was as a person, not his accomplishments? You know, what was really, what really made his heart sore? Um, well, I, I think uh, one of the, the difficulties uh, in his later life uh, as uh, a human being, but also a, um, a renowned uh, philosopher, uh, was that people tended to put him on a pedestal and um, that he, was, uh, he did not want to be there. He didn't want to be a guru. Um, and uh, he would often tell people, well, I'm, I'm a philosophical entertainer or I'm a, uh, a trickster coyote or, or whatever uh, that would come up. Um, and I, I think, you know, the human frailty aspect of his life uh, was something that was, was difficult um, because 
uh, obviously he became addicted to alcohol and he smoked too much. And maybe uh, people would consider him, because of his uh, marriages and so on, a, a philanderer, etc. Um, and I think really that what he wanted was for people to realize that he was just simply a human being. Uh, like anybody else. And yes, he had uh, a window to knowledge, uh, which was exceptional, and he shared with people, but he was by no matter of means a perfect human being. And uh, that everybody is that way, and that um, people need to accept themselves, and he accepted himself as who he was. And I think that that was something that he wanted people to do is to accept themselves as who they are. Mm. That's easier said than done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's what we're all struggling with. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, Anne, I have a question for you. It's a little bit different than what I asked your sister. So, um, what is, from this experience, um, the thing you're most grateful about of this experience? Hmm. That's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I think... Um, What's, what I'm grateful about is that in reading the letters um, and really having to, to hang out with them and be with them, it's, it's brought up a lot of um, my internalized uh, philosophies in a way that I get to look at them, um, you know, that I hadn't been looking at them consciously. And so it's it's brought all that up to the conscious level for me, and and I really appreciate that. I'm I'm really in, enjoying that aspect of it, um, and so you know it just gives me a better appreciation of myself and my own life. And um, yeah, I think that's that's really what I get from that. That's beautiful. So, Joan, I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, okay. What is it <laughs> from this experience of um, co-creating this, this wonderful book with your sister that you are most grateful for? Um, well, I think, uh, as Anne mentioned earlier, it, it was a, uh, an opportunity for since we we live far you know far apart and um, we haven't seen much of each other for a number of years since I moved away from California and you know having having that experience of of uh, working on a project with my sister and and having uh, the opportunity of of uh, seeing a little bit more of her and and uh, having created something together I think has been uh, a very wonderful experience, um, and and in the process, realizing that um, our lives, while we ended up doing very different things, um, we're not we're not that different. We're 
um, in many ways very similar. Um, and um, uh, I'm not sure that I can immediately come up with other things here. I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, that uh, I think one of the things I realized through the, the process also was that um, I ended up in in many ways, um, maybe not in the philosophical venues, but uh, mirroring my father. Um, you know, I was married three times, <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I I had stages in my life that were uh, fairly definitely defined in uh, transition, or I, I should say, transitions in my life, very similarly to his transitions. And I thought that was fascinating. So, wow! So, reading these letters gave you that insight. It sounds like. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, um, gosh, I know we're running out of time, and I still have a lot of questions to ask you both. <laughs> <laughs> so, what can we ask? It's going to be very short and sweet. Um, you know, again, as I said, I feel like this is a wonderful homage, homage to your father. It's it's like, even though they're his letters, in some ways, by you putting it in book form, is is a, a kind of a big letter of love to him and the great beyond. And so, how do you think he would feel, <laughs> or you know, if um, about having these letters published? And either one of you can and jump in, um, knowing that you're doing this really from a place of love and admiration of, for him and all that he has had given humanity and given you as, as as his daughters. Um, Joan, would you like to go first? <laughs> sure. I, I, you know, I what I think right off the top of my head is that um, I think that uh, so much of it is important in terms of uh, letting uh, people know about his life and mm-hmm. uh, experiencing um, through his eyes uh, how he came about doing the things that he did. Um, I think um, producing the book is really a, a gift to all his followers as well. Uh, they you know everyone that that has that I know anyway that has read the book and uh uh has known of his work and so on is just they're just incredibly grateful you know we constantly get yeah. blood gratitude well and it is they they really are a gift um, I'm sorry we're running out of time. Um, Joan and Ann Watts, thank you so, so very much for being on the show. Everyone who's listening, please go out and get the collected letters of Alan Watts. It's a treasure trove of information and insights that will surely help and support you in this wonderful journey we all call life.